Please listen carefully. And now, live from the attic that smells like a basement in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming Positions Podcast, featuring four left feet performing a tango of trivia, Kevin and Mikey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast. Kevin over here. Mikey over here. And today we're continuing our series called Head of the Class. Head of the Class. Yeah. Which students are we talking about this time? <laughs> we are talking about the Cleric Class. Yeah. So just in case you didn't know, go back and listen to the other ones, but we've been going through the D&D Rules Cyclopedia. Yep. And we noticed that they have really basic classes, magic user, cleric, fighter, thief, dwarf, elf, and halfling. And we thought it would be fun to think of the best ones we would want in our party of each of those classes. Fantasy dream teams, that's what we're picking out. Fantasy dream teams. So today we're doing cleric. Which I will just have to chime in and say probably the hardest one so far, because what's the cleric? I mean, how often do you see clerics? Cleric was really hard, and we kind of looked into it, and we found out that one of the reasons why cleric is so hard because clerics were pretty much invented, as they are in Dungeons and Dragons, by Gary Gygax when they okay. made Dungeons and Dragons. Yep, yep. So, a lot of these other archetypes, classes, you would call them, are are kind of troves, kind of things that have been pulled from media uh, already media. that already existed. Right. Yep. But. And a lot of Dungeons and Dragons is Lord of the Rings, but if you think yeah. of, if you think of Lord of the Rings, there aren't there's no clerics in it. Nope. So apparently, uh, we found this on the interweb. So break it down for us. The cleric class began as a simulation of vampire hunting clergy seen in B grade horror films. Okay. And they were specifically created to oppose a vampire PC named Sir Fang. <laughs> what so, a gr- sorry, that's a great vampire PC name. So Gary Gygax added the restrictions on weapon types, being they have to have blunt weapons, and that's based on, man, Gary Guy is, is <laughs> It's based on looking at the Bayou Tapestry. Okay. Which that's... shows William the Conqueror. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Uh, William the Conqueror's brother, uh-huh. Odo of Bayou, <laughs> was, was a bishop. Okay. And he's shown holding a mace in... The tapestry, so that's where the the sort of standardization and default weapon from a cleric comes from. Is Legending that, weapon. That's crazy. It, it is crazy. It's so wonderfully nerdy. That's awesome. So I think we managed to pull out six clerics. Yeah, I got my three. All right. They're they're kind of loose though. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> they're kind of loose. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and start. Kick it off. My number three is pretty much as close as you're gonna get to a D and D. Cleric character, <laughs> same as mine. Let's 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 compare. And that's uh, Melisandra. Melisandra from Game of Thrones. From Game of Thrones, also known as the Red Woman or the Red Priestess. Yep, portrayed by Chris Van Houten in the series. And like we said before, when we've talked to Game of Thrones, Mikey and I are a little more up on the HBO show than yep. we are the the book. Mo- more show nerds than we are book nerds. Right. So. But but we do when we do research on these characters, we do look at what they've done in the books too. And I will like I will say just as far as Melisandre is concerned, book to TV show, like in the book, she's a neat character. But 
I don't know, it wasn't really striking to me other than what she does. In the show, like, that actress gives her a really good presence and mm-hmm. sense of character. It's really good. So, Malisandra's a priestess, which is definitely the... Number one the, requirement. We had clergy, there's a god, the god of fire. Mm-hmm. Is that what, what the Lord of Light? Lord of Light. That's what they call, or the Heart of Fire, yeah. or the God of Flame and Shadow. Multiple, <laughs> multiple names. I think Rilor. I don't even know how to say it. Do they ever say that in the show? The actual name that's in the book? I don't think so. It's like R apostrophe H L L O R. No, Raylor, Rilor, something like that. Yeah. If they have said it, it's in passing. Yeah, they usually call attention. him the Lord of Light in the show. Don't yeah, they? that's that's the quick and easy way to refer to him. So who wouldn't want a beautiful, might be evil cleric <laughs> who can birth shadow demons and resurrect you on your team? I can I can get behind it. That's definitely somebody you want on your side as opposed to not on your side. As long as she keeps the amulet on. Yes. So spoiler alert, she Uh-oh. doesn't get old and Oh yeah, she does like the shining thing. I forgot about that when she's right. missing her, her she powers. She doesn't have her amulet. She's Yeah, it is like the shining yeah. thing. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> So, and the thing is, I put her down at number three because she has her, well, her, she has her God's motivations. Yes. I'd say her own motivations, but it's not really. Yeah. She's really moving. She's very faithful. Yeah, I was going to, I mean, sure. they aren't her motivations, but she's super devout. I mean, yeah, she's super the things devout. she does in the name of the Lord of the Light are pretty ridiculous. Right. And I know, burning people and <laughs> that poor girl. Ugh. As required by and her God. And birthing those shadow demons and... That's that's some that's some crazy stuff right there. That's why it's kind of she's on the edge of yeah. She can she's invited, but if she causes any problems, she's the first one to go. And also, if if she sees what you're doing will benefit the Lord of Light, then she's all on your side. But as soon as <laughs> as soon as you pick a different divinity right, or different goals, yeah, it's it, it's game over. So that's why she's number three. But it is a great character. It is very well portrayed in the show. I got you. I kind of like the arc of how she starts to kind of question her faith a little bit because stuff's not working out the yep. way she thought and the people she's picking aren't the right people. Yep. That's usually a pretty good clux for a, cr- a cleric is like wavering in their faith. Right. And it seems like now she's being a little more cautious with uh, her actions. It's fun. Or hang- hanging out in the shadows waiting for the light to strike again. Mm-hmm. I thought light was supposed to be a good thing. What's happening? <laughs> That's awesome. I, I can dig, I can get behind the Melisandre pick. Uh, mine is, a, like I said, a little bit of, of a default cleric. I'm going to be a cheesy real quick and pull up a picture for you to look at. Because mm-hmm. my third pick for a cleric is actually just called Cleric. And he's a fight, he's a cleric <laughs> that you can pick in the video game King of Dragons that was released in 1994 on the Super Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. But. That's a picture of that guy. Oh, look at that. He's, uh, he looks like a football player almost yep. in arm, armor. with. Uh, he has the requisite mace and shield. And there you go. That straight up looks like a rule cyclopedia Dungeons & Dragons cleric right yeah, there. Yeah, almost Knights Templar vibes. He's, yeah. He actually has like a physical T on his chest. It's not a cross. Not they a made cross, it a, a T. T. I guess they didn't want to offend anybody. But <laughs> you still got the old Christian warrior vibe going. Mm-hmm. Uh, King of Dragons was kind of like... Do you remember the Golden Axe arcade games? Yes. The side-scroller mm-hmm. hack and slash? King of Dragons was along that line made by Capcom. I played it so much oh, in the arcade. Capcom. Oh, back in the highlight of, of Capcom. Mm-hmm. But King of Dragons was their answer to basically a D&D straight hack and slash video game. 
So you you can pick from five people. The cleric, obviously, being my favorite. Dude's a tank. You got the fighter, the dwarf, the elf, and the wizard. So a little bit like <laughs> Gauntlet. Almost, and it's almost like the character classes we're talking and, about. And so it sort of I seemed hand-in-hand hand for me to go pick that one and go fit. But then I was thinking about it. Like, I, I picked a video game cleric. So when he shows up in my party, is this going to be like a Wreck-It Ralph sort of cool world <laughs> situation where it's me hanging out with my real-life buddies that are from movies and fiction? And then this little 16-bit sprite's going to come in and just be like, <laughs> not say any words because he doesn't have any dialogue. He doesn't, does he have any backstory at all? Here, here's the only backstory you get <laughs> when you, <laughs> on the character select screen from the game. All it says is, although it is against his creed to use sharp weapons, ding, <laughs> he has powerful defensive abilities and, his god willing, his level can advance quickly. That's all you know about the cleric. <laughs> He's big, he's strong, he's religious, he's quiet, and he's just, he's out smiting for his god for whatever reason. But yeah, I want him on my team as a third pick, basically, just because I think it'd be cool to have a video game character, like, pixelized and hanging out with us. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. You don't, even, you don't even want, like, the the drawn version of him that was on the side of the cabinet. Oh, you no. want You want the, the 8-bit version of him. Yeah, because to harp on King of Dragons real quick... Go get an emulator. Go try it out. It's only 16 levels, but it was back when Capcom was doing gorgeous sprite art and actual backgrounds, and it's all fantasy medieval, so it looks like classic mm. D&D. Was well, that 16-bit by that point? Or yep, Super, Nin uh, uh, Super Nintendo, 16-bit. Okay. And then that was back in the time of, one more remembrances, back in the time of Blockbuster Video. That was one of the games I used to go rent, and then I'd have to bug my brother to take me back to Blockbuster so I could re-rent it. You couldn't just hold on to it like Netflix. Mm -hmm. You had to go back to the store, re-rent the game, take it home, try and beat a few more levels, take it back a week later, re-rent it, take it home, try and beat a few more levels. You used to have to rent video <laughs> games at a store. Back in my day. <laughs> so, yeah, that's why, that's why me and the cleric are tight. I spent a lot of, lot of time on them. That's great. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So uh, my number two... Is we're we're going into the tabletop. Moving on up. Two. I like it. I picked Ulrich the Slayer. <laughs> That's an awesome name right off the bat. But the Slayer, how is he a cleric? <laughs> I'm gonna read to you the little description I found on the Warhammer Forty Thousand Wikia. Please do. Ulrich the Slayer, also known as Grandfather Lupus and the Guardian of the Sons of Russ, is the Wolf High Priest of the Space Wolves Space Marine chapter and is the oldest of all the Space Wolves other than the chapter's Dreadnoughts. You know what Dreadnoughts are? I do not. What are Dreadnoughts? Dreadnoughts are basically sarcophagi that have been weaponized. <laughs> so like weaponized mummies? So it's basically like a, a hero who uh -huh. has passed uh -huh. is basically almost Darth Vader. What's left of him oh. is jammed in this giant walker. Nice. And, but the walker, the way it's designed, it looks like a sarcophagus where, like, he is. That's in cool. In the middle part. And awesome. It's this big giant fighting robot, basically, with the old dead hero in it. Hell yeah. Or undead, or I get uh, if fun. he's anyway. So yes. they're old because <laughs> they're dreadnoughts. So anyway, his great mane is white as the slopes of Asenheim on the Space Wolves chapter's homeworld of Fenris. Ulrich is even older than the mighty Logan Grimmar, the great wolf of the chapter was fought in the name of the Emperor for over 700 Terran years. Oh, he's over 700 years old, this oh, yeah. guy? Yeah. Props to Warhammer and D&D &D in general for just having the best flavor text for everything. So That's I'm going to show, show you a picture of, of him. Tit for tat. That's him with his 
He had helmet on. It's a wolf head helmet. That is awesome. That's but it's him. like a wolf head That's skull him. helmet. Helmet. He's about as, he's bigger than my cleric, dude. These these are all like the oh, yeah. linebacker football. It's from a lore. It's a Warhammer forty thousand space marine. So part of the reason I space wolves are what I run. Yeah, I think I think you mentioned them a little bit in our miniatures episode. Yeah, that's that's preferably what I run. Nice. Our space wolves, and Ulrich the Slayer. I actually don't have a model of him. I'd like a model of him. They they have these wolf priests. Okay. In uh, Warhammer forty thousand, in the space wolves, they're called chaplains in regular chapters, and they are basically priests who can heal. They have healing; they can heal your models. Mm-hmm. They're they're the Warhammer forty thousand <laughs> sci fi version of a cleric. I got you. They even don't have a bladed weapon. They have basically a big cudgel thing. It looks like a. I'll show you a picture of it. It looks like a something used to fend off wolves, and it looks like a winged that. Is intense. So it's not actually an axe. It's more like a hammer or something <laughs> like that. So. A hammer that'll mess you up in at least one swing for sure. So it, it's fun. The wolf priests are fun, and he's a he has a fun backstory. There, there's so much. There's so many books, and the, there's so much fluff in Warhammer Forty Thousand. Even in their rule books, their rule books are about three quarters fluff, <laughs> just stuff you can read about it. Yeah, and the rest of it's the rules. So he has a uh, seven hundred years of backstory. That's wonderful. That basically, he's just a badass old space marine who can heal. And, and he prays. And he prays to a wolf god. Is what it sounded like in that flavor text. Well, technically, he plays the the emperor. Okay. In Warhammer Forty Thousand, gotcha. Known as the God Emperor. Okay. So he's kind of a a god or is a god. Nice. Nothing's fully defined in Warhammer <laughs> 40,000, yep. but he's the god emperor who they pray to. Cool. But then there's a layer on top of it with the space wolves because they ah, come yes. from a, a planet where there's giant wolves and there are tribal people who they pull from to make space marines. And and again, we're talking about 700 years of history, so there aren't a few twists and turns in there kind of doing something wrong. Yeah, it's super fun. One of the fun things is he's so old, he's the only one who's allowed to call the great wolf, the oh. Logan, the leader, by his name, Logan. Awesome. Everyone else has to call him by some kind of... Grandfather Lupus. Yes, <laughs> but it's, it's fun. But hey, and a reference to Wolverine, I'm on board. I love the name Logan. <laughs> so that's it. Ulrich the Slayer, he's my second choice. Okay, we could probably put my second choice and your second choice in a battle of just wits and seat. Not wits, because... Wait, is a cleric intelligence based or wisdom based? They're wisdom based. Okay. They're wise. Okay. Which a 700 year old space marine would be. True. Mm-hmm. This My guy sort of has the same sort of setup, but this is the Lucy one. But for a cleric, I'm going to choose Thor. Thor? Thor, the god of thunder. But he's not a cleric, he's a god. He he has his, his powers are divine. But because he's a god. Or is he? No, he's an alien. Wait, or God. Wait, which Thor are you using? There's higher gods above him that grant him his powers. Um, so it's mm. divine power. It's blunt weapon because Mjolnir, Mew Mew, however you say that word. <laughs> Mew Mew. Mew Mew from the movie. <laughs> it's his big old hammer, not a bladed weapon. And Thor is a tank. He's practically invulnerable. So if he's on your party, he's going to be front line. He's going to be coming in, smashing things, taking the the brunt of blows and standing up for the good of humanity and protecting humanity and protecting the world from evil and monsters and undead and ice people and his brother. 
He does fight undead in that one thing. That's very cleric There you go. Wow. I don't know if I agree with this position. I'm but, putting it out there. But it can it can be it can be beaten to maybe fit into the hole. That's, what I'm, yeah, the that's what I'm doing right now. If we have to take out like if we have to sort of oh what's the word? If we have to muzzle Thor a little bit so he doesn't just obliterate my party every time, <laughs> that's fine. We can have a weak in Thor. He, he didn't have a hammer for most of Thor Ragnarok and he was still awesome. It's 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 interesting. <laughs> See, because well, yep, Thor's te- well. See, Thor's technically in the Marvel universe is technically an alien. He's an Asgardian. Yeah, so he's technically not the god that we think of. True. So that makes him not a god, really. So that's okay. That'll fit into the cleric. Okay. Because he's not a god, but he does have powers that are given to him by by his father, who is a god. Is a god, so is he? Wait, so <laughs> wow, hmm, I'm not sure. Well, I'll do you one for one. My oh, main sticking man. point was that Thor is kind of dumb, <laughs> and so if a if a cleric is wisdom based, that might be the argument to keep him out. But just like your guy has 700 years of life history, Thor is actually millennia of years old. So he may not be the smartest crayon in the box, but he's got life experience, and he never stops. <laughs> So we're going to rule him a storm cleric. Maybe he fits better in a multi-class later. Maybe. I don't know. But blunt weapons, he's a tank, and he has divine powers. So Thor's my cleric. But not my first cleric. <laughs> but I definitely, I mean, he'd definitely be fun in a party. Those well, movies were so great. He'd be well, so I fun. know. I know. He'd be so fun to hang out with. Kind of throwing a flag on that one. but That's we'll, fine. We'll let it stand. I'm we'll let, let the audience stand. decide. <laughs> well, hey, guess what? Even if I'm wrong, second pick, still Thor. <laughs> All right. Well, well, prove me right with your your number one cleric pick. My number one pick is kind <laughs> of. I'm gonna have to argue a tiny bit. Yes, but I just think a tiny bit. Okay. So we already had. Um, if you go on our Facebook, we've already been talking to some folks about the Jedi. Yeah. And we talked about it in the mage one. Our Jedi mages. It did come up. But we're also like our Jedi clerics. Yeah. So we've had people argue that the Force is more like mana than it is like a religion or from a god. Anyway. Let's get into it. The the person that I picked is definitely, he's sold as a spiritual warrior and a monk in Star Wars canon. Yes. And that's Chirrut Imwe Uh, from Rogue One. Donnie Yen. Who played by Donnie Yen, yes. Now, in my mind, this is... The closest you're going to get out of a Star Wars character uh-huh. to a D&D class character. I got you. So he was literally a guardian of the wills, and they protected the temple of the Kyber on Jeddah. So he was a warrior monk. Okay. There was a temple. A temple just says religion. Yep. Monk says religion. Yep. And he sees the Force as a religion. As most people should. I mean, uh, up until they kind of tried to explain it in some of the movies, the Force was very unexplained and very mysterious. I am Mystique. one with the Force, and the Force is with us. There you go. Or me. Yep. So, Peace be with you, and also unto you. <laughs> Sounds vaguely familiar. I am one with the Force. The Force is with me. Doesn't he chant that to get through? Yes. Sorry, I, I, I might no, be blowing does. a point. He does. He does. Well, the, the, no, bring it on, because... This this guy's a cleric to me. He's got yeah. a, he's he's got a staff. Yep. He doesn't have edged weapons. Yep. And 
He does have the little bowcaster thing, but that's still not a sword. Still not a sword. Not a bladed weapon. It's not a bladed weapon at all. <laughs> and I know, I know of a lot of times that when you need range for your cleric, uh-huh. you'd use like one of those prods or whatever, which is like those crossbows that shoot yep. out um, like energy slugs. Oh, okay. Instead of a actual arrow, instead of a bolt. Bolt. Is what they're called. So anyway, Chair Emway is see. It's kind of. I was doing a lot of research. I'm basically a Star Wars head, so I only had to do a little <laughs> research. But I know the I know the places to go. Your research was looking into the other corners of your brain. Well, the yeah. So the interesting thing about it is that people are trying to decide whether he's force sensitive or not. Okay. Which would lead you to think, well, why didn't he become a Jedi? Because he's supposed to be 52 years old, so he would have been 30 during the in his 30s or 20s oh, wow. during the Clone Wars. So yep. why wasn't he a Jedi fighting? Why, why do you sit out the battle? Yeah. So there's lots of fun arguments online about that. Whether a lot of people are starting to take the uh, the Jedi and redef- using the prequels to redefine how they lost their way. It talks about in the Last Jedi yep. where Luke talks about how they lost their way. Yep. And an interesting thing mm-hmm. is to me is that one of the sticking points to a lot of people in the prequels was that midichlorian thing. Yep. That was yeah. They tried to explain it. But what's interesting is is that there's kind of this, I, I would call it more of a fan movement, and I don't know if it's not addressed in any of the movies, so I don't even know if anyone at Lucasfilm is thinking this. Yeah, okay. But that, that midichlorian thing, that blood testing to see if you're going to be a good <laughs> Jedi yep. is actually part of how they lost their way. Oh, that makes sense. And someone like Chirrut Imwe, maybe he doesn't have the high count that would get him into the Jedi Academy. Yep. So even though he may be force sensitive and may be able to channel it through faith and, and, and prayers and chants. He didn't, he didn't follow the modern adaptation or change where they say you have to be this much of a Jedi to apply. Exactly. So it's a real interesting take on that. That's, that's a good logic though. I can support that. So regardless, I don't care what anyone says. This dude can tap into the force. There's a lot of, a lot of people say that that he knows this uh, technique called Zama Shiwo. Okay. Which is like some martial art or something, and I it's can dig po- it. It's supposed to be more like uh, he uses he uses that. He's so trained in that. That's what he uses for the blind fighting. The guy's blind, it, he, yeah. and that's fine and all. But he talks so much about the force. He can sense the kyber crystal around Generoso's neck mm-hmm. from like a distance. Yep. So to me, that's more than just being aware of your environment. And it's like any priest you come across in a show or a book, usually they're going to be talking about the faith in every aspect. Like every conversation they have with a the character, they're going to be like, oh, we're going to talk about this, but here's how it relates to my faith, and here's my, how it might help you. I mean, that's the same with Chiruit. He's always aware of the Force and his exactly. place in the world. I can exactly, dig and that's why I, he's definitely a cleric in my mind because he uses the Force. He, he's not using the Force like a Jedi uses the Force. Yep. He's using it. It's a faithful thing to it. He does a chant. He walks out with in, with all these people shooting at him, and That's not the best nothing scene, hits yeah. him. I mean, it's the chariot. Imway is a cleric of the force, <laughs> and the force to him is a religion. And whether you think the force is mana or not, I don't think so. I think the force is. I think the force is a. It's a. It is a. It's a religion. There's a, yep. supposed to be a church of the force in mm-hmm. these new. The new ones. The. Uh, Lor Santeca at the very beginning of the Force Awakens, who gives Poe the map to Luke, is yep. supposed to be a member of the Church of the Force. They create dogma based on so, the Force. Exactly. Yeah, I so mean. Uh, to me, it's a religion. So if Jedi are anything, 
that they're and they're supposed to be more monks, right? Anyway, uh, if Jedi yeah. or anything, they're more clerics than they are magic users. Well, they're definitely priests, but they also happen to kick butt. So I guess that's where they get upgraded from priest to monk. So exactly. So in my mind, Chariot is the since Chariot is kind of a tamped down Jedi in a way, <laughs> he fits more into this cleric I gotcha. class that we're using. Yeah, because I, like you, I would have been sold just on that scene where he is chanting and, you know, walking through bullets just because of his faith power. Awesome. So that that's evidence enough that he's a cleric. My one sticking a point on just Jedi being clerics in general is that lightsabers are kind of swords. I mean, yes, yeah. they are light powers, which is in the cleric column, still yeah. a sword though, but Jiro Dimwe, yeah. Does he have I don't think he has a lightsaber, he just says no, the no. staff. He just the- said the staff. And there is supposed to be a kyber crystal on that staff though. Oh nice. But so yeah, in, in my mind, the Jedi are their own thing that can't really be stuck into one of these classes in my mind. It would they would need to make like a new class called Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be awesome because Jedi are awesome. Yeah. All right, so Jared Imway's my semi-controversial number one. Dun, dun, dun. Not as controversial as Thor. Not as controversial as <laughs> Thor. But I'm going to tell you right now, Thor could kick Jared Imway's butt. Well, yeah, because well, he's like he's whatever blind. he is, a god he, alien. Yeah, but he'd feel really bad about picking on a blind guy, though. So I, <laughs> I think they'd, I don't know, they'd come to some some compromise. But to finish it out, my number one is sort of a standard, sort of a default, but it's going to be Jesse Custer, also known as Preacher from the Preacher graphic novels by Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon. Wow, yeah. Now, if you're not familiar with Preacher, I think it's one of the... We were just talking about how it was more fan, we were more fans of the Game of Thrones TV show over the book. It's a, kind of the opposite when it comes to Preacher. I'm a huge fan of the graphic novels. Don't know anything about the TV show yet. Yeah. I've been reading good things about it, but my, I haven't taken a nerd dive into it. If you're a fan of the show, absolutely go check out the, the graphic novels because... I think they're they're highly rated all over the place. But for me, that was the first graphic novel I got into where it was like, these are mature themes, and here's some stuff that's going really, really wrong, and here are some really, really bad people. In the middle of that, you get Jesse Custer. Jesse Custer is uh, raised as a priest, a clergyman, so mm-hmm. already he's got the backstory there. He's yep. got the faith-based upbringing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was trained in hand-to-hand combat. Mm-hmm. So he's he's good in a fight. He knows how to handle himself. But then, like, there's twisted elements to it. The guy that trained him in hand-to-hand combat is also the same dude that killed his father in front of him. So there's weird mm. moral gray area there. Yeah. He's like, I learned how to fight, but it's the guy that killed my dad. Interesting. And then his grandma turns out to be crazy. It starts, like, Jesse Custer, for all intents and purposes, is this good old boy. He's a priest coming up, and then the world just goes crazy around him. What the final uh, crux of this preacher is, is the entity called Genesis is an idea in this graphic novel. And Genesis is the embodiment of all pure good, pure evil in the world. It's mm-hmm. just power. And it leaves heaven, leaves the outer realms, and possesses Jesse Custer. So he is possessed by all, all good and all evil in the world as just raw divine power. Making the argument that mm-hmm. he is one of the most powerful people... Yeah. As far as graphic novels go. But as a cleric, it grants him one power, which I think is super neat. And it basically gives him the word of God. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make him super strong like Thor. He doesn't have any big old armor like the clerics we were talking about, like Ulrich. But if he uses his power, anything in se- anything he says basically happens. Oh. If, he, if he tells people to do something, they are compelled to do it. If he 
says an idea to somebody, they are compelled to believe that idea. So it's cleric powers, I would say, just sort of like on 100. So yeah, that's a he'd be a high-level cleric. Yep. Second reason I'm picking Preacher is because Preacher hangs out with a drunken, alcoholic Irish vampire named Cassidy. Uh, as a drunken Irishman myself, <laughs> I feel like that's a relationship he can sort of hang out with. So we sort of, we're simpatico. I'm not a vampire, but I'm happy to bite a few necks if it makes Preacher a little more comfortable. <laughs> but that's the kind of characters that Preacher is up against. We were saying earlier that clerics are, were originally created as a, uh, an opponent to the undead and vampires. Mm-hmm. There are undead zombie people that come back in Preacher, but he also fights like real-life evil people, almost like Nazis reborn. Uh, there's crazy Germans in there. There's crazy fundamentalists that are protecting the line of Jesus, but they're, like, controlling the governments to do so. Mm. Uh, there's cannibals. There's rednecks. There's drug addicts, all kinds of... There's a character called Arseface whose face looks like a butthole. Okay. And he, and he takes out that. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> I'm just rambling about all my favorite parts about Preacher because it had an impact on me. It's It's one of the... One of the great graphic novels out there, and so as a result, I'm going to say Preacher is one of the great clerics out there. Okay. Definitely fits in to the faith-based hero. Yep. That's for sure. And just on the topics of religion, as far as the graphic novels go, they do a really good job of sort of lampooning the idea of God and faith and power as it applies to somebody that's been imbued with it. It's very interesting. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but... (laughs) <laughs> I'll have to, I don't know a whole lot about the preacher or the show or the graphic novel. May want to start without the, start out with the show. I was checking all checking on the internet. It's got good ratings on Rotten Tomatoes and all that stuff. So maybe yeah. something we have to start checking out. Maybe we'll check it out. All right. So our parties now, for those who've been paying attention. Yep. So my mage is Neville Longbottom. From Harry Potter. Yes, sir. My fighter is Brienne of Tarth from Game of Thrones. Yep. My thief slash rogue, I think they're just called thieves in D&D, is the Artful Dodger. The Artful Dodger. <laughs> and my cleric is Chariot Mway. Fun. Uh, that's a great party. I'm excited to see that that team picture at the end. For my party, I, I've been incorrect. I've been I, for some reason I was doing the assumption that Willow was my top wizard pick, but then mm-hmm. going back to listen to the episode, I realized that Dresden was my number one. So I apologize, oh. Harry Dresden. You are my my true favorite wizard. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Harry Dresden's going to round out my wizard pick. For my fighter, we got the Italian stallion Rocky Balboa <laughs> coming in strong. I love it. For my thieves, we've got Locke Lamora from the Lies of Locke Lamora. Good to hang out. May not notice that he's there because he's kind of hard to distinguish, but that works in his favor. And then my cleric is, is the man in the cloth. He's going to be Jesse Custer coming from Anvil, Texas. They ain't a weird situation that boy can't handle, and I'm ready for him to help my party out. Awesome. That is great. We've had so much fun building these. We'll continue on doing more. We, we're going to have the fun now of uh, going into the demi-human classes. Oh, yes, the little peoples. Dwarf, elf. And halfling. Well, elves aren't little, but they'll be fun. Depends on what kind of elf we're talking about. So, so everybody, thanks for listening to the podcast today. Tell us who your clerics will be. You can hit us up on the social media at Assuming Pod on Facebook and Twitter. We're also on Instagram. We can uh, Gmail us at assumingpositions at gmail.com. 
Gmail. And we want to uh, thank Jazzar for our music, and we want to thank that guy for doing our announcements, and we want to thank you for listening because our pizza is here. We never said that. It's here now. <laughs> so, pizza's here. I'm going to eat it. I have faith that it'll be delicious. Pizza, pizza. <laughs> and now end it. Say your phrase. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. May the force be with you. Thanks, everybody. Uh, but wait, hold on. Let's see. What, how's it go? I am one with the force. The force is with me. Excuse me, Sonny. Do you know a cleric I can talk to? <laughs> Does not sound like you at all. I good. have an ailment, and I'm wondering if you could help me cure it with your godly powers and your bulging muscles. <laughs> <laughs> You're a strapping young lad who looks like he believes in God. <laughs> Do you like puzzles? <laughs>